and welcome back to the Autism Hour podcast, where we view each and every individual as valuable and capable. Today, my guest is Jeannie Pease. Jeannie is a teacher for preschool children who are deaf. She has served in this position for the past six years and worked with children who are deaf, um, deaf students with autism, deaf students who also have ADD, ADHD, intellectual disabilities, vision impairments, and a variety of other disabilities. So she serves a wide variety of individuals. I hope you enjoy this episode with Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie, and welcome to the Autism Hour podcast. How are you today? Good. How are you, Chelsea? I'm doing well. Okay, we're going to jump right in. Can you talk to us a little bit about your family? Yes, I am one of six girls. I'm the youngest of six. Big family. Um, <laughs> very big family. <laughs> and we had the privilege of actually interviewing Melanie, who is one of your sisters, yes. your oldest sister, correct? Yes, okay. she is. Yes, and she's, yeah, I, I enjoyed her podcast so much. Yes, me too. So listeners, if you have a chance, go listen to Melanie's podcast episode. It was a great one. Okay, so one of six, where did you grow up? I grew up in Olney, uh, Texas. Okay. Most people don't know where that's I do at. <laughs> if you um, know where Wichita Falls is, yes. it's about an hour south of there. There's okay. a whole lot of little bitty towns, so it's very much a teeny tiny town. Okay. Did you go to public school or private school? Um, I went to public school okay. for kindergarten, and then the rest I was homeschooled. Oh, okay. So, Great. How did you yeah. like that experience? I, I mean, I liked it, mm-hmm. but I, I would have, I would have preferred being um, at public school for what just reason? for the social emotional aspect. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, we lived uh, five miles out of town, so okay. we were, um, I call it the boonies, <laughs> <laughs> but we lived out in the country on a farm. We had animals, okay. so oh, it was right. easy. It was. It's a lot of work. I always yes. tell people it's a lot of Definitely. work think before you get pets. <laughs> yes. But um, it was great. I mean, our dad, uh, my dad has um, polio. Oh, so okay. growing up with him, I got to do a lot of work that I probably wouldn't have typically done. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Because um, he would know how to do things, but if he couldn't get there, he'd be you know, I've climbed up on top of things. I've gone under our house, yeah. things like that. Things that he and needed to do and asked you to do for him. Right. Yeah. So he would be walking me through it as I was doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Do you think that's what gave you a heart for working with individuals with disabilities? And I think so. Because ha- my dad has uh, polio. Mm-hmm. I have a cousin. My dad is one of 12 kids. Okay. So I Another have big family. many, many, many cousins. but I have a cousin who has Down syndrome I have a cousin who um, had a stutter he had a pretty severe stutter but he was much older and he would always do magic tricks for us Um, and my dad owned a business in Olney uh, for a good long while and he would do a lot of leather work and people with differing abilities would come in and just talk to him or have him fix stuff like Mm -hmm. Um, I remember there was a person with a prosthetic arm and the strap was broken. So he brought it to my dad to fix the strap. And, you know, I've met many different people. I mean, my dad had a friend who, um, had dwarfism. So I didn't realize these things were different (laughs) until I got much older. Yeah, it was normal to you. It it was very normal. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. 
I, I tell people I was very fortunate because I was around a lot of different abilities mm-hmm. growing up, so I don't think of it as it does make things more difficult for that person, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've seen my dad get out of his wheelchair and change a tire. I've mm-hmm. seen him, you know, crawl across the floor to do things. I've seen him work. Yeah. He may not be able to do it one way, but he figures it out a different mm-hmm. way. So. Yeah, so you've seen what they're, what people are capable right. of regardless of, you know, how they function, what right. works best for them. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, that, that kind of gave me an insight. The biggest part is my sister Melanie, her son who has autism mm-hmm. and other uh, disabilities. Yeah. Uh, he was a big part of it. I mean, okay. I when he he was the first grandbaby born. Yeah. Um. So I was helping babysit a lot. Okay. Um. And especially when he was, let's say, grade school age, okay. I spent a summer with them, Aww. and I learned a, a lot aunt. about him <laughs> yeah. that I hadn't known before. And yeah. you know, things I didn't know a lot about autism before mm-hmm. that. And through him, I was like learning about. I used to be very, very shy. I like I didn't like people to look at me out in public. Oh, wow. And when you're out with your nephew who has autism, yeah. and when he's happy, he's happy, and when mm-hmm. he's mad, he's mad, and yeah. now I'm just like, whatever. It's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so neat. That's such a good, a, a good point to show that like we have a lot to learn from people with disabilities, too. Right. Not just the other way around. So Right. So after high school, what did you do? I actually uh, was a theater major to start out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, you um, didn't like people looking at I, you. How I, did that work? Um, backstage. Okay. I okay. loved backstage. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I loved uh, costume running. Okay. Which Neat. was helping with the quick changes, getting things ready. Yeah. Just, um, I loved it. That's but so cool. I just didn't see myself doing that um, okay. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So. I think I was in my junior year, and I changed majors. Okay. What did um, you change to? To deaf education. Okay. And what? What? Why that? What made that change? I I I don't know why I didn't really. Well, no, that's not true. I have a. I also have a cousin who has a hearing loss. Oh, okay. Uh, but I didn't grow up around him. But I just kind of knew him. Mm-hmm. And but I'd always been very curious and interested about deaf culture. Okay. Um, and I was interested in special ed. So it was kind of like looking for what was out there. And mm-hmm. then I saw deaf ed. So I was like, let's try this. Yeah. How was that? Like switching I, and taking your first courses in deaf education? It was scary. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was very scary because... And that's a lot to learn in a couple of years. It was. Yeah. And I... <laughs> Because I also had to move. I was in Wichita Falls, and then I went to Fort Worth to TCU. So it was a huge move Mm -hmm. all around. And I I fell in love. I mean, it was was great. It was was a great program. I learned so much. Good. And I just fell in love when I started student teaching. Mm -hmm. You have to student teach for deaf ed. You have to do um, elementary and secondary. Okay. Secondary, I'm not so much in love yeah. with. You're either an elementary person or a secondary you person. You are. And you know. <laughs> yes. And I'm not a secondary yeah, that's person. Yeah, <laughs> so, But I loved, I loved the little ones. I yeah, loved 
they're so fun. They are. They're so fun. Yeah. And they're so honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're so honest. And that's what I love. Yeah. One of the things I love about it them. It makes them very entertaining, too. It does. It, I, I laugh a lot during the yes, day. absolutely. At the same amount of getting frustrated during the <laughs> yes. day. And the laughter helps with the frustration. It so. really does. It out. You have to learn to laugh at yourself. <laughs> absolutely. And the things that happen. Yeah. So what was your first job after graduating? Um, I got a job at Plano ISD with the Regional Day School Program for the Deaf. Okay. And it's a long <laughs> term for RDSPD program. Okay. So what that is, um, since there aren't enough students, typically deaf students, for just one district. Mm -hmm. So um, that provides, we provide um, services to Collin County. So we get students from anyone who's in Collin County. Okay. So uh, Richardson, uh, Frisco, McKinney, Prosper, Melissa. I know I'm leaving out places. Yeah, that's but, a lot. Um, so they come to us. Okay. And that's like their other RDSPD programs um, okay. around the state of Texas. So okay. that's pretty much how it is. There's the state school, the Texas School for the Deaf mm -hmm. in Austin. Okay. And... They'll, um, I, I haven't ever worked there, obviously, Yeah. but they'll, um, they'll service all of Austin. And I think if you want, I think if you want to like bust your child there, you can, but, wow. um, okay. I mean, obviously it's so far and yeah. they're so little. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that would be really difficult. Um, so you've been in this position for how long now? Uh, six years. Okay. I'll be starting so you my must seventh. Be liking it because that's a long time. It is. Somebody asked me one day. They were like, "Because um, preschool is not for everybody." Absolutely. And um, I teach the three-year-olds, mm -hmm. and it'll get mixed three and four-year-olds depending upon when their third birthday mm -hmm. was. But you don't know like who is coming into your classroom. I've had many different students who is it deafness or is it whatever their other disability is, you know, mm -hmm. which one is causing the delays the most. Yeah, absolutely. And you're getting them right after they receive a diagnosis, I'm assuming, right? Um, that or they've already been going through ECI services. Okay. So I've had both. Okay. I've had um, some who've gone through ECI um, and then turned three and come to me. Okay. So. And do you have them for half a day or all day? We have them all day. Oh, We wow. have them for six hours. Wow. Um, That's a long time for a three-year-old. It is. We have a breakfast, lunch, nap time. Okay, so, so you do nap. Okay. We do. That's good. And if you're fortunate to where they do now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure so, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah. What does your typical day look like with them? Um, my typical day, it starts off, we have to, um, before our day really starts, even when we do our backpacks, they come in and I have my students play with toys. We have to um, do what's called their listening checks, so to make sure that their equipment is working before we start our day. Okay. And... 99% of the time, it is. There's no problem. It's just routine. You go through it, um, and it's working. Okay. But then you have, sometimes they'll come in, and a battery's dead. Mm -hmm. And depending, a lot of times at three, they don't know to tell you, mm -hmm. oh, it's not working. Yeah. And what um, type of equipment do they typically have? Um, I've had hearing aids. I've had cochlear implants. Okay. I've had what's called a Baja, and that's called a bone-anchored hearing aid. Oh. And... 
for kids, you'll see it, it looks like a headband okay. with a little, almost little square box. Okay. Probably, probably about the size of, not the thickness, but probably about the length of a quarter. Okay. So, um, and what that does um, is if they, it's called a conductive hearing loss, so if they can't hear through their outer ear, that vibrates their cochlea, so the oh, bone, okay. and causes their cochlea to shake so that they can hear oh, those sounds. Oh, that's so fascinating. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, we could do a whole <laughs> thing yeah, on that. Cause that's so interesting. Most people just think about the hearing aids or the mm-hmm. cochlear implants, yeah. but... I'd never even heard that term, so... Yeah. people. <laughs> so, um, and one of the newer ones that I had, and my student got it when it was, it's still experimental, but she got it at the very beginning of the experimental part. It's called audit- ABI, so an auditory brainstem implant. Okay. Because if you're born without a brainstem, mm-hmm. a cochlear implant doesn't do any good because mm-hmm. you don't have that auditory brainstem that okay. takes it to the brain. Okay. Um, so that, there's a good, I mean, a small population, but there is a population that cochlear implants don't work for. Okay. So they're working on that, and they've had success on students who are just deaf. And again, I I use that term loosely, but just deaf, Mm -hmm. um, and who get it early on, things like that. Okay, and by just deaf, you mean without another disability? Correct. To it, okay. So um, this student, she had had, um, she had Down syndrome, plus she was born without an auditory nerve. Okay. And she got it much later. I think she was five or something. So, um, you know, there were other things going on in there. Mm-hmm. But it also just probably didn't take as well because she was a, pretty much a part of the beginning of when they were trying it in children. Okay. So. And these sound pretty, like, invasive, these procedures. are. Is that correct? Are they pretty? Um, they... They can be, okay. but like the cochlear implant surgeries are so routine. Mm-hmm. It's basically an outpatient surgery. Oh. I've had um, students when they get, I had a student recently who got implanted and they can't play outside. We keep them in doors mm-hmm. from playtime because if they fall, they could uh, break open their stitches. Ooh. So we have to keep them from really Do any active like, play, Yeah, <laughs> which this kid was not happy about that's hard for a little one to understand because it's about for three weeks before he could go and play and run because I was like I know you want to go outside but you have to stay in here while everybody else goes outside so (laughs) sorry bud I know I felt really horrible but um so that's one of the biggest things but you also have kids if it it's called explanted so if something happens and it doesn't take and they have to take it out and then they'll put a new one back in okay. so it's a fairly routine search okay as i said it's um i mean it's generally outpatient and most people most kids you get it at one oh, so wow. one year old okay. that's the youngest you can get the procedure done okay. for a cochlear implant okay um so that uh, I forget why it can't be younger than one year, but I mean it is a surgery, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, you don't sure really want to do that. And yeah, do, have you seen students before they've had it and after they've had it with you to like compare? I have. Okay, and what has that been like? There's a little girl. I love her to death. Her, I'm friends with her mom on Facebook. She's okay. in 
second grade now, maybe. Okay. And I remember she also has a vision impairment. Um, so she, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking about her. But she had um, hearing aids to start with, and her mom put her in our classroom. She had started out in our oral classroom, which is no signing. Okay. Versus I'm in a total communication classroom, which is signing and speaking at the same time. Okay. Um, so she wasn't being successful in the oral classroom. So mom put her in our classroom for more support with the signs. Mm -hmm. And this little girl wasn't talking, wasn't social, uh, nothing. And I mean, in the classroom, Mm -hmm. I know at home she was very social, (laughs) uh, but she got her cochlear implants and she just started talking and it's not I I just want to say it's not like that for everybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, every child is different right the videos where it shows that they can hear things like you know it's everybody's different okay um man but what a difference to see and observe I remember one of the first times when she she just looked at me and she goes um I want to eat lunch and I went, I just looked at her. Like, and you never heard her speak before? Um, she had, but oh, okay. it had been, she was in another classroom. This okay. was after she, she was in the classroom next door, the old, the fours. Mm-hmm. And I just turned around and looked at her because I was like, like oh what? Goodness. Well, yes, you can have your lunch. Absolutely. Um, That's so but cool. She, I mean, she's moved back to the oral classroom and her older brother also has a hearing loss. Okay. And had CIs, and so parents were so proactive about, I mean, whatever That's she awesome. needed to be successful, that's they so were important. doing. That's amazing. Yeah, and wow. that's that's a huge part of it, too, is the, I mean, you know, having the parent doing the strategies, mm-hmm. things like that, and follow Absolutely. through. Consistency yes. and all that, yeah. What is one of the most, um, or like one of the most common causes of hearing loss? Oh gosh. <laughs> is it all over the place? It it can be all over the place. Okay. It overlaps with so much. Okay. I've had students with uh, syndromes where it's part of the syndrome and I can't for the life of me think of what the name of the syndromes are. Yeah. Um cuz I've had several of them charge. I don't remember what that stands for. Okay. But each of them I want to say it's um I forget what the C is, but H is heart, I think A is auditory, uh, but each of those stands for something. Okay. And it's a pretty pretty involved syndrome. There are many different parts of it. Okay. Um, but I had a student with charge, so that was part of it. Mm-hmm. And there was another syndrome, and that was part of it. Mm-hmm. So some, a lot of comorbidities, right. which just mean, means having multiple disabilities or deficits. And right. is one of those comorbidities that you experience autism and deafness? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. My first class that I had actually was um, a class with just students with autism and deafness. So I came out of the gate. I had three students with autism. And as you know, <laughs> not every student. They're person with autism yeah. is the same. <laughs> yes. So each of them had their own little quirkiness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when I say that, I have one who l- would work for water. I never withheld water from her, wow. but she stemmed on water. Oh. So okay. I had a special cup with a straw for her mm-hmm. when we do our one-on-one work time. And she'd do some tasks. She'd get a drink of water. She'd do. 
you know, I mean, hey, it's I, I'm like, better than I'm like, okay. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I promise I don't withhold water from you at all. <laughs> but here, but, have but more. But here. <laughs> um, so I had another student who, um, she was very interesting. She, talking about experiences. She, uh, my first, and it was my first week ever of teaching she hadn't had a whole lot of structure. She had one cochlear implant and did, hadn't really been wearing it, which is a big part of it being successful is mm-hmm. wearing it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she didn't have any language, didn't have any structure. You know, mom didn't know what to do, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, she was four, but she, um, she would get startled and just grab the front of your shirt. So... Mm-hmm. With her, my first week of teaching, she grabbed my shirt, but put her head down my shirt. <laughs> and there's cameras in our room, mm-hmm. but I was just like, okay, yeah. let's do it. I was like, let's get you out of there and figure out what's going on. But I I, I laugh because I'm like, that was my first week of teaching. Yeah. Just You're having like, my own classroom. To the classroom. <laughs> and I was just like, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. But um, that little girl, I've talked to her teacher. Um, she's in a special ed classroom now. Okay. And I love hearing stories. She's become becoming successful Good. And so with exciting. her routines and communicating and things. So mm-hmm. That's awesome. It was, it was a, I feel like it was a very good classroom for me to start with. Mm-hmm. I prefer to start out with a tougher situation and then oh, yeah. have an easier situation. Because yeah. you learn all of the strategies and exactly. techniques that you need to deal with the difficult situations. And then when you get to an easier situation, you're like, oh, I got this. I'm equipped. I, I know right. what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. And some of the things, like I had a wonderful uh, speech therapist in the classroom co-teaching okay. with me who had been there for I forget how many years before me. And she had already worked with several kids with okay. different needs. Yeah. Um, so she taught me a lot of strategies as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it was the same little girl. She was a spitter. She would lick, things like mm-hmm. that. And it shocked her when that didn't phase me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because she wanted to do something and she kept spitting my hand. And we just kept walking. And you could just see it look the look on her face like why isn't this working? Yeah. You're like, because um, I'm not going to let it exactly. work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was a very interesting classroom. Yeah. And, but I learned so much. They were my, I had two of them my first two years. Okay. And then my second year, I still had two of them, two with autism. Then I had one with deafness and Down syndrome and one who was deafblind. Okay. So um, she could see, but she needed things really close to her in order to see them. Yeah. Um, wow. So, which of course made it much more difficult for her. So she mm-hmm. had special seating accommodations mm-hmm. to sit Absolutely. closer. Yeah. Um, but so those were my first two years. Okay. And um, after that, I started getting more of like typical deaf versus and mixed with um the multi-disabled with the deafness okay so um so I interrupted you earlier uh-huh. I'm sorry about that but you were talking about the routine that you have for your classroom oh, yes. so do you want to continue telling us about mm-hmm. what you do um day-to-day in your classroom uh-huh. 
So um, our big focus with deafness is, but which is in every classroom, we focus on the language mm-hmm. with the with the listening aspect of teaching them to listen because uh, depending on how long they've had their equipment, it could be like not intellectually a baby, but working on like if you're holding a baby and you're you know, doing the ba ba ba. Mm-hmm. You know, doing all of those connecting this sound to this toy, like mm-hmm. Cal says, moo things. Yeah. You know, you're working on all of that. Okay. So we'll um, we'll do a welcome circle, and at the beginning of the year, it's more of me chatting and me doing a lot of pictures and a lot of gestures mm-hmm. to kind of explain that how are you feeling? You are happy. You know, are you happy? Are you sad today? Things like that, yeah. and teaching them you're at home. You, uh, you were at home, you're at school, so really putting in that vocabulary mm-hmm. and um, trying to get them to talk back to me. Mm-hmm. And then we do our small groups, which is typically I have a table where I'm working more individually on IEP goals. Okay. And my aide has a table, and depending on... I've had many different aids, so depending on their strengths, depends on if they have an activity to teach or if it's just like, okay, we're going to do puzzles and Mm -hmm. some vocabulary, things like that. Okay. So um, our small group, and we rotate, so we'll switch our groups. Okay. And we have a book time, so our story time, which again Um, is... um, probably a dog and pony show (laughs) because I'll read the book but then I'm acting out a lot of the book and I'm depending on the level of my kids a lot of times it's objects so I'll act out you know if it's talking about um story I'm thinking about is called grandma's coming to visit okay so she gets into different transportation objects Mm -hmm. and she's getting on the plane and the plane's flying so I get a doll and have the plane fly okay uh, things like that uh, so it's yeah. like big you know let's understand these concepts mm-hmm. of what she's doing mm-hmm. and um, we have our music time okay. we do have breakfast and lunch at school and we have a nap time mm-hmm. um, which typically at the beginning of the year they're exhausted and they conk out because yeah. it's their first time in school mm-hmm. and then in the afternoons typically what we do is we have um call it a large group language time where we have an activity as a whole class okay and that's where we um do something generally targeting specifically that language and listening aspects so today i was teaching summer school today so we made slime we made some glitter slime because uh, we were talking about fourth of july and how okay. the fireworks uh sparkle and okay. glitter Aww. so we made uh some glitter slime yeah, <laughs> and that's so fun. they had so much fun but i was <laughs> able to get from one of my kids um we were working on preposition in to pour something in the bowl mm-hmm. and finally uh near the end of and she's one of my higher babies. I've had her since the beginning of the year. Okay. Um, so she's been with me, the one of the ones who's been with me the longest this school year. Okay. Um, and she finally said, she said, pour in bowl. Wow. And I was so excited. Yeah, I bet. Um, whereas with another one of my students, she said, just pour. And yeah. I was still super mm-hmm. excited. Depending on their level, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but getting that, you know, very interactive language aspect of where they're having to tell me something mm-hmm. or we do something very 
interactive during that time. That's so neat. That's yeah. really fun. So most of your students can hear to some degree, correct? Yes. Okay. So Please. it's the oh, uh, whole spectrum. I, I say a spectrum related to autism mm-hmm. because I have, I've had a student who couldn't hear anything um, to a student who could hear quite a lot of speech, but okay. it was like she had holes. Okay. So um, her hearing loss was a little interesting, but so she was missing just certain sounds. Okay. So it can vary from, cool. yeah, it can vary from zero to just Part some sounds. Mm-hmm. How do you cater to all those different levels in your classroom? Um, I'm signing pretty much the whole day, but um, as I'm talking, so that they're getting both, and that's uh, typically called a total communication Mm -hmm. classroom, and if I'm working because the students who can't hear anything, um, I, depending upon if they've had amplification or not, but... um, I'll pull the students with similar uh, listening skills is what we call it, and I'll work with them. I'll drop my signs to work on them just working on their auditory-only skills. Okay. And pair it with the sign, which is called sandwiching. So I'll say it, and if they need that visual support to understand it, I'll give the visual, and then I'll say it again so that they can kind of, okay, you're saying that and pairing it Mm -hmm. there. That makes complete sense. And how do you teach them to sign your students um, is that like a separate lesson altogether, or you just have them imitate you or? I just have them imitate me okay. and my expectation our expectation in the total communication classroom is to sign it and speak it at the same time okay. so, so I have require them to sign yes but okay. I mean if they're basically as long as they're giving me a language I am accepting it. Okay. So in whatever way. That in is. whatever okay. way, I've had students with uh, doing a uh, picture exchange with me okay. before. I was going to ask if you utilize any assistive, augmentative, and assistive communication devices. Yes, I haven't had to use like devices, like a tech and talk or something right. like that. Right. Uh-huh. We've been it since. I mean, there's they're three and just coming to me. Mm-hmm. We've been at the basic just pictures. pictures. Okay. So I've used a device with an older child but um not at my school but um I I have used the picture exchange and I do a lot of pictures okay visual supports showing them are you happy are you sad and you know because a lot of them what they've done mostly if parents don't know sign it's been a lot of pointing Mm -hmm. so they'll point to it and then I give them the word and the sign for it okay so, is that pretty common, too, for the parents to not know sign language? It is very common. Okay. There, It's 90, and I could be wrong. I know it's over 90, but I think it's 95% of children with a hearing loss are born to hearing parents. Okay. So it's a very small percentage yeah. born yeah. with deaf parents. Yeah. And, and that's so hard if you're a parent who hears and then have a child who right. has a hearing loss and is using sign language and all these strategies that you've never learned. Exactly. Man, that's such a barrier. It is. Do you do any parent training to help kind of close that gap? Um, we provide uh, free sign classes for parents. Oh, that's great. Um, it's hard sometimes because it's in the evening, so depending on yeah, how young they are, mm-hmm. also it might be close to time for bed. But um, I know, so, like, 
two of my parents this past year uh, went to the sign classes. And you can tell which parents, some parents will utilize many things that you give them. There are books, there are mm -hmm. apps, there now there's, um, there's a place starting to do online classes and I can't remember what place it is, but I've been sharing that with parents. Um, so you can tell if they're getting that language mm -hmm. input at home mm -hmm. or if they're not. Yeah. And many parents will work on that. Okay. Um, it, I mean, just the same as if with parents with autism, mm -hmm. uh, parents with children with autism, if they'll implement those strategies. Yeah. So it really depends on the family situation. Absolutely, yeah. Do you take into consideration the parent's preference on using sign language versus like a picture exchange system, or do you guys make that call um, on your own? I kind of make that call okay. because a lot of my kids coming in, no language, we're using a lot of visual supports mm -hmm. of, here's this picture, this is what I'm saying, mm -hmm. so pairing this picture with this. Yeah. I um, had a student who, he had a hearing loss, didn't have anything else. He came to us, and he's just staring at us. He was almost four, just staring at us. Mm -hmm. We were signing to him, talking to him, and he's like, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. And then I was sitting with him. We were at breakfast time, and I, he was done, so I was looking at a picture book with him, and I was, you know, labeling the pictures in the book for him. And mm -hmm. then you could just see it click with him, what that. He turns the page, points to it, and just stares at me. And I signed it and said it. Mm -hmm. And he turned the page again, pointed at it, stared at me. And it just clicked with him. Of, that's what you're telling me. That's mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. So wow. I use pictures a lot to help bridge that. Mm -hmm. And depending upon the student, if they need it more, we I've done um, communication boards with starting to put the sentences together. Okay. of yeah. One, eight... Mm -hmm. um, I think one potty. Mm -hmm. We had one student who was in the forest class and he started doing three words. Okay. That's so, great. Yeah. And so when they get to that point where it's obviously pictures are really working with them, um, do you drop the sign language or do you still continue? We look to and see that? if deafness is their primary disability. Okay. This, uh, student who was starting to put like three words together, he had, he had autism. Okay. Um, he had um, very little eye contact. Okay. So, but he was successful with his listening skills. Mm -hmm. He was being successful with those. And um, so we were looking at, okay, is deaf ed the placement for him? Mm -hmm. And then we kind of start seeing, is he going to be more successful here in a deaf ed classroom? Or would he be more successful in a special ed classroom mm -hmm. um, where they can focus more on those routines and those, um, strategies, strategies yeah. that as a deaf ed teacher I know a lot of the strategies but I may not know as many as somebody who works with children with autism mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he did end up he went to a special ed classroom Okay. and what happens though we provide case by case we provide itinerant services where a okay. deaf ed teacher would come to his special ed classroom, oh, okay. work with the teacher, work yeah. with him if need be on that deaf aspect. Okay. So teaching on how to use the curriculum, if the teachers have any questions, mm -hmm. a curriculum, um, <laughs> strategy. Uh -huh. um, but teaching the teachers if they need it, 
working with the student on whatever they're needing, mm-hmm. whether it's the signing, things like that, yeah. to help supplement. So they're still given services, but depending, is their need greater for their autism or intellectual disability, mm-hmm. or is it for the deafness? Okay. So That makes sense. And I've worked with a lot of kids with autism, but I've never worked with a kid who had autism and also had a hearing loss. <clears throat> but I would think that the visual stimuli of a picture would be mm-hmm. um, more acceptable to that individual yes. for most children with autism, obviously not all of them, mm-hmm. than sign language because that requires a lot more like socialization, interaction between yes. the two people, and I would think that would not be as as accepted. Right. Is that correct? Is that that's that's what, what I've experienced? experienced. Okay. I had I actually had a student this year, as I said, I'm the th- I'm a three year old teacher, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to figure out what their biggest need is Mm -hmm. at three. Um, And he came to me, and they weren't sure. They knew that he might have autism, but they weren't sure if it was that or if his uh, cochlear implants weren't working Mm -hmm. because sometimes if that's going on, that can look like autism. Mm -hmm. So um, he came to me, and after I worked with him a little bit, I was like, oh, no, um, you're hearing stuff, <laughs> but he had a lot of um, the signs of students I'd worked with before with autism. Okay, and I, I try to. I, I have communication boards that mm-hmm. I just have to pull out yeah. as needed, and I would try. I was trying to teach him some of that, and he was starting to pick it up. Okay. But with how my classroom's set up, it's not as one-on-one mm-hmm. as a classroom for students with autism mm-hmm. is. Um, so I'm not able to give him as much support yeah. with teaching him those pictures. Mm-hmm. But we were able to send him back to his home school. Okay. Parents were great. Parents were like, okay, you know, if that's what he needs, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and he's receiving itinerant services. And I know his teacher who's... Um, doing the itinerant services and they were talking to me about how he started really picking up with the pictures and just going and that makes me happy because I know that he's he's successful and he's in a good program and that you made the right decision in moving him to a different classroom so right because it is it is you know it's very Mm nerve-wracking sometimes am I am I making the right call because Mm -hmm. a lot of it is my input (laughs) about you know, this is a big change for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for your students with autism who also have some sort of hearing loss, uh-huh. what strategies do you use with those individuals that are different from the strategies you use with your other students? Um, so like more specific to, I guess, their autism. I have done a lot of personal schedules. Okay. Um, typically starting out with the real pictures first mm-hmm. to make sure that they understand that that concept before I go to board maker pictures, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, drawing like pictures, yeah. right. And that's what the student, um, he wasn't ready for just a full on, let's go check your schedule. Mm-hmm. So it was um, a teaching assistant or myself we had a folder with yeah. real pictures for him. That moved with him. And mm-hmm. when it was time to move, we would show him the picture and yeah. be like, okay, we're going to go to centers. We're mm-hmm. going to go to the block center and have a picture of blocks. And we'd walk with him and have him put the picture there, mm-hmm. having a matching picture. Yeah. Which is not something I typically do. I mean, okay. with my just deaf students, mm-hmm. I'll show them a picture of the blocks and they'll kind of walk with me. But then that 
fades away pretty okay. quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've done the personal schedules. I've done finished boxes okay. if they have a hard time giving up an item, but they're more willing to just drop it in a basket. Mm-hmm. And my finished box can be just basically a, a little basket that mm-hmm. I'll empty really quick yes. and be like, okay, put it in here. Yeah. So you have to be innovative. I mean, exactly. Creative. Depending on if I, I don't have the actual yeah. box with me, yes. um, I'll just dump one out and go, okay, yeah, it's finished. We can drop it in here. Yeah. Um, which some students have, some students who, I don't know, have some behaviors that helps them, but I'm, I mostly use that with students with um, autism. autism. Do you have a lot of behavior challenges with your students with autism who also have a hearing loss? That yeah. is a mouthful, by the way. Yes, I do, because our my classroom is set up a lot as a um, incidental learning classroom. Okay which is much less structured. Mm-hmm. Can you explain just that term for listeners who may not know? So incidental yes. teaching? So incidental uh, learning and teaching is where it's kind of student-led, where mm-hmm. we have center time, and that can be I'll have Black Center open and Book Center open. Mm-hmm. And it's free play. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of meeting them at whatever they're doing yes. there. And it's more much more natural. Yes. So you're not sitting them at a table asking them to do something that you want them to do. Right. Rather, you're kind of following them around, seeing what they're interested in, following right. their lead, and just engaging with them in those activities. Yes. Okay. And whereas versus um, students with autism, as you know, they need that structured. very, very structured. Mm-hmm. And that's where, if I have a student with autism, that's where they struggle a lot. You know, they're like, okay, I want the structure. Mm-hmm. But my classroom is structured, but not to their needs. Mm -hmm. So that, I feel like, is where they struggle the most. The student who who I was talking about earlier, he struggled a lot during that center time because Mm -hmm. that's our biggest free play time. So that's when I would try to bring him to my teacher table. And we would do a lot of one-on-one work Mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. Uh, but depending on how many students I have depends on if I can do that as mm-hmm. much. Absolutely. What do you do when you have a child who, with autism who also has a hearing loss? What do you do when they have some kind of behavior challenge in your classroom? So say they're screaming and crying and hitting you, what would you do to handle that behavior? Um, depending on the student, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll use terminology like, oh, let's have quiet hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to them. I'm like, ow, that hurts, trying to really show with my facial expressions, my body language, you know, that hurt me. But also trying to see, okay, is this a communication breakdown? Mm-hmm. And did something is. happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a student who loved, loved, loved cars. He was fixated mm-hmm. on cars. It Restricted didn't matter. interest. <laughs> yes. yep. And um, he wanted cars, and I didn't realize that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. But cars wasn't open. Okay. So, you know, he's crying, screaming, pulling on me, started pulling my hair, and I was like, what is going on? So, really, it's the start of, okay, let's figure out what's going Mm -hmm. on if they're not being severely aggressive. Um, If it's, I have to kind of get them away or the other students away, Mm -hmm. if it's really severe where somebody else is in danger, I'll have my aide move the students to another part of the room. Okay. Um, and have, has that happened? You've had students who have been really <laughs> aggressive? Yes. Yeah. Um, 
depending on their language level, it mm-hmm. could be a lack of just being able to communicate yeah. their needs. It could be their other disability. I've had students who have later been labeled in grade school as uh, emotionally disturbed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which I'm like, oh, that does not surprise me at yeah. all. There's a lot going on. Right. Yeah. And so, depending on the severity of the behavior, I would... Um, if it was dangerous, I'd have the students kind of moved away from the situation Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what's going on and have them calm down. What I try to teach my students uh, when they're not upset, we do a lot of breathing strategies and a lot of um, call them I love you rituals, which are little songs we sing with them. Okay. Just like little finger plays, Mm -hmm. twinkle, twinkle, little star, things like that. Okay. Some proactive strategies. Yes. And we'll do a lot of that, especially at the beginning of the year during our welcome circle. Okay. We're all going to breathe together. Mm -hmm. We have the balloon, the star, and the drain are what we typically do. Okay. And we do all of those together Mm -hmm. and we do them and do them and do them. Yeah. And I've had... A student, she doesn't have autism, but she had a meltdown the other day. And I was like, okay. I said, do you want this? Uh-huh. Okay, we're all going to do the balloon together, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we did that, okay. and then I was able to bring her back down. It doesn't work all the time. Yeah. But, um... That's good so that you have those built in, though. Some students, uh, with the, they like the deep pressure. So if I can't bring them down, I'll start doing a lot of deep pressure or soft sensory Mm -hmm. on their arms or legs. Mm -hmm. So neat. Do you use any applied behavior analysis strategies with your students with autism? Um, give me an example. (laughs) So, I mean, ABA is an umbrella term, so it encompasses a lot of things. So just like reinforcement, positive reinforcement, you probably use quite a bit of Um, that. Yes. I do a lot of first then charts. I say, I say first then, even with my students, who don't have on. Okay, them. yeah. I'll say first we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and then we're going to play outside. Yeah, expectations are always helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but what? I have done token boards. Okay. Um, where they, depending on their level, I've gone from working for one token mm-hmm. to working for five tokens, where they do a task and get a token, and they have gotten to pick for whatever they're working for. So remember, you're working for bubbles. First this, mm-hmm. you know, one, and... I'll count depending on how many. If they're able to do up to five, we'll go, okay, there's two more, and then bubbles. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of token boards, a lot of first-then charts, um, a lot of immediate reinforcement Mm -hmm. when they're first learning. Especially with little ones. They need a lot of that, so... So, especially when I'm teaching the finished box, mm-hmm. okay, you put it in, you immediately get it yes. back. You put it in, Absolutely. you immediately get it back. Do you do, like, airless learning or different levels of prompting? Um, I, if I have a student with autism, I try to do that as much as possible. Okay. It's just really difficult. Again, I have one aid, uh-huh. so it's really difficult yeah. to be able to do that as much. I, I know the strategies, mm-hmm. and... That's what, you know, I've talked to my team leader before. I'm like, this is what they're needing. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to give that to yeah. them. Yeah, and that's difficult. That's, a, I think, a 
across the board <laughs> issue for most special education teachers yes. um, who work with a variety of disabilities is how do you give the attention and support that you know a child needs with limited resources, right? Limited staff. So right. I know that's a problem I frequently experienced in my classroom also. So And a lot of times you're teaching the teaching assistant Absolutely. the strategies while you're teaching it to the child. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to ask them. I mean, in my classroom we would have usually about eight students at one time. Mm -hmm. And I had two paraprofessionals, which is amazing. But still, that's not one-on-one. And it's really hard to do one-on-one with eight, three, three, four, and five-year-olds with autism. For me to pull one away leaves two adults with seven of them. And that's just a lot to handle. So it's it's Mm -hmm. a lot to expect of everyone in the room. Exactly. That can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tell me about some of the progress you've seen in your students. Oh so I'm gosh. sure you have amazing stories. Oh my gosh. So tell us about I, some of those. I mean, my biggest thing, the little girl who I was telling you about mm-hmm. earlier who said pour in bowl. Yeah. When she started with me at the beginning of the year, she had no words. Wow. Nothing. <laughs> and now she's saying phrases. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And the other day she said... Um, I'm just going to use a generic name instead yeah. of a student's yes. name. Uh, but she said, Susie, have a backpack. I was like, yes, she <laughs> does have a backpack. That's so cool. So That's so exciting. Getting to see them from basically zero mm-hmm. to, I mean, phrases or even one, I mean, one student right now, I'm working with her and getting two words. Okay. So she'll say mm-hmm. a lot of one words now. Yeah before she wasn't saying anything. Yeah. So now she's doing one word, and today she told me we were watching, um, listening to the song Baby Shark. Okay. (laughs) And she told me, Daddy, come. Uh, Because Daddy Shark was about to come. And I was like, yes, he is. I was like, look at you coming on things. Yeah. But, and even just being able to transition, like for my kiddos who their progress with language may be slower if Mm -hmm. they have something else, but if they're able to transition Mm -hmm. without having a meltdown, I'm super excited. Absolutely. Uh, I've had students to where we've gotten from A to B without falling on the ground crying or and you're anything and it's the biggest party in the it, world it is yeah, yeah. so there That's have been great. so many successes that i mean gosh i can't even go yeah. through all of yeah them. well thank you for sharing a couple of them um, yes. and it's clear how much you love your students so i'm assuming that's your favorite part of your job it is i, I love my i love i call them my babies yeah. and apparently i made the mistake saying something to somebody who didn't know i taught i said something about my kids and they were like oh how many kids do you have and without thinking i said <laughs> i said oh i have seven and they like, looked oh. at me are and you I sure went, <laughs> i was like Oh, I'm sorry. I teach. Those are yeah. those are my kids at work. <laughs> yeah, that's so. so fun. Yeah. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about what it's like working with a paraprofessional. You touched on this just a second ago and have mentioned that you've had several different paraprofessionals over the years. I have. How has that been? What has your experience been like? Positive? I've had, I've had mostly positive okay. experiences. The hardest part for me is reminding myself that they may not have most of the time they don't have the training Mm -hmm. that we as teachers have um 
I mean, at the beginning of the school year, we're going through all these trainings, mm-hmm. and typically our paraprofessionals are just in the classroom. Okay, yeah. get this ready or yeah. whatever. So a <laughs> lot of so benefit from that training. <laughs> I know. It just breaks my heart that they don't get it, and a lot of them want it. Like a lot yes. of them are really eager to learn, and they just don't have access to it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I've had um, my teaching assistant who my first two years of teaching her and I learned a lot <laughs> together yeah. and like I learned a lot from her she learned a lot from me mm-hmm. and um she is actually she loves kids with behaviors mm-hmm. she and she is one of she doesn't work with me anymore she's at the elementary school but she is one of the main people who works with the behavior students okay. in our deaf ed program mm-hmm. the para who works with the harder kids like okay. the ones she's I've seen she's been bitten mm-hmm. kicked things like that and she yeah. just keeps coming back mm-hmm. that's amazing Good and for her. i mean this past year i had a i actually had an aide who's going to school to be a deaf ed teacher oh that's fine so it was amazing and yeah. i would also you know i was having her do things i wouldn't normally have a teaching mm-hmm. assistant do because i'm like extra experience okay yeah. you know here i took this hearing aid apart I want you to take it apart and put it back together mm-hmm. because there are many times a three-year-old will come in and you're given their equipment mm-hmm. and you have to piece it back together. Ah, man, I've heard of also, <laughs> I've heard stories of kids who have hearing aids eating their hearing aids, eating parts of their hearing aids, just ugh, I've like had, that. um... Hearing aids come in with chew marks that are not from, <laughs> not from, not an, from animal. an animal. Yes. Oh. Um, I've had... A lot of kiddos, hearing aids are expensive. Hearing aids, cochlear implants, those are several thousand dollars Mm -hmm. a piece. Just one ear. Um, So they're very, very expensive. And as a parent, parents are very conscious of how expensive that is. So uh, some kids have learned that if they uh, go after their equipment, then parents will do something to stop that. Mm-hmm. Get a lot of attention. And I and I had a student one year. Um, he went to throw his hearing aids. He grabbed them and went to throw them across the room. Sorry. No, it's okay. And I told him I I told him no, we do not do that. And I put them right back on him and continued with the demand. And again, it was just that look of whoa, what? Why did that work? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, does insurance ever cover that cost for the parents? It does. Okay. There was a recent law, I think it was just passed last year, because it was considered a pre-existing condition. Okay. And some insurance companies, um, you have to meet your deductible. Okay. Before it'll cover that. Mm-hmm. So. Man. Which, again, is very, very difficult yeah, if you don't easy. have... Man. $6,000 to go on it. Yeah. Man, that's hard. Okay, so you did say earlier that you do feel pretty um, supported by your district, correct? Yes. It's a very positive place for you. I mean, you've stayed for six years, so I'm assuming (laughs) that you're pretty happy there. It is. Yeah. My biggest frustration is just the politics and education, Mm -hmm. which is in any field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I say a lot of times I'll you know, okay, okay, and then I go into my classroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, I mean, I feel overall that, I mean, I'm listening to our team leader that we have. She's, she's very great. She, this is her 
second year. Okay. This was her second year with us. Okay. She had been a teacher at the elementary school for I forget how many years. Okay. But she's been with our district for a while, but this was her second year as a team leader, so I would not want her job. <laughs> I would not want to be a team leader because yeah. I see how much stress and mm-hmm. work she has. Work, yeah. Right. I love I love the children aspect mm-hmm. and that takes you away from it. So that's also it. But, you know, I have gone to her, you know, upset if mm-hmm. something has happened. I've gone with to her about certain students. The student who we were able to move back to his home school who's mm-hmm. being very successful. Good. You know, we had her and I had a lot of conversations about him, mm-hmm. and um, we would just talk. I would tell her, okay, this is what I'm seeing, you know, and she, of course, is telling me to document it, mm-hmm. which if you which have to so have that important. documentation, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just say, oh yeah, I, I, I think that they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like yeah, it, it, it looks like so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's so important. Um, I think that can really make or break an experience for a teacher if they mm-hmm. feel supported by the personnel involved in those right. decisions and just um, somebody to listen and care about their students because a lot of times right. that's all the teacher wants to exactly. make the best decisions for his or her students and have somebody on board to help them with that. So Yes, and I've had a fantastic team that I've worked Good. with. I have, um, it's, I'm the three-year-old classroom and then the four-year-old teacher and then our SLP, our speech therapist, it's a push-in model. Okay. So she comes into the classroom instead okay. of pulling the students mm-hmm. out. So it's a lot of co-teaching. Yeah. So um, there are many different mishaps that happen. And as I said, you have to laugh at yeah. things that happen. I went through a period this year, I don't know why, but I was consistently dropping things during <laughs> lessons. My kids learned the verb drop because I would narrate. I'd say... Oh, I dropped such and such. Uh-huh. And during one lesson, I probably dropped something five times. <laughs> and I finally hear, oh, you drop, you drop. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, I did. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you're still learning. Exactly. <laughs> Teachable moment. Exactly. Yeah. But I've had a wonderful team. Good. That, you know, if we need to, sometimes you need to tag out with a behavior. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you just need to say, I need a break. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be helped with me in this situation. And mm-hmm. I've been able to go, okay, I need you to step in. Mm-hmm. And at least just give me a minute break. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to know those limits too. So right. that you're, you're not acting out of frustration with the student. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one thing I do tell my teaching assistants, my paraprofessionals. I tell them, do not be afraid to say, I need a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'd rather that be said than something horrible mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to a point eventually where I had several paraprofessionals who would refuse their breaks. Like, they would just say, no, I don't I don't need a break, you know, because they get two, like, 15-minute breaks built into the day right. or whatever. And they would be like, no, it's fine. I don't need to go. And I'd be like, no, you no. need to go. <laughs> like, just, we're going to be proactive in this and give you some time to just, you know, time to yourself. Just hang out, relax, you know, do what you need to do. But I want you to have that time. Right. So And you don't really think that you need that, especially as teachers. I know oh, that for myself, so I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then you get in a situation and you're like, oh my goodness, I am frustrated. Like, I do need a break. So right. it is really helpful. And my sweet mate did tell, have to tell me that this year mm-hmm. at one point. She yeah. goes, no, you walk away. I will step mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And it wasn't so much a behavior. I had injured my arm mm-hmm. and I wasn't really supposed to be picking up kids. Mm-hmm. And I teach three-year-olds. Yeah, which is almost impossible. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and she was like, no, I can carry him. <laughs> Step away from him. No, you got to take care of yourself, too, because you can't care for others if you don't take care of yourself. So, right. Yeah. Okay, well, our time is almost up, so I'm going to ask one last question. It's actually two questions built into one. But So my first is, what piece of advice would you give to a um, parent or a family member of a child who had a comorbid disorder so or disorders so if they had autism and um hearing loss of some sort some sort what advice would you give to that parent or family member i would say don't be afraid of failing okay (laughs) because i know i've had parents come in who and it's just come across to me if you're telling them something and it seems like they feel like a failure because Mm -hmm. they didn't already know that yeah and don't feel that way because there have been so many times I've messed up Mm -hmm. and I'm a teacher and I feel like parents feel that they should automatically know Mm -hmm. that that's what their child needed so don't don't be so hard on yourself because Mm -hmm. I have seen parents who are very hard on themselves yeah but do have you know expectations for your child yeah don't do everything for Mm -hmm. them um, and don't be afraid to ask for right. help. That was one of my biggest pieces of advice. It's yes. just if you have a question about something, don't be afraid to ask. We're all learning together. Exactly. So, and yeah. it, it's so hard, especially when you're getting this is their first introduction to school, mm-hmm. and parents are getting thrown everything at them. Oh, absolutely! It is uh, very routines, uh, communication. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, everything. So I, I think just don't be afraid that you don't know something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's very hard for everybody. Absolutely. And then when you're the parent, I know I've talked to some parents who are like, I, I should know that I'm mom or I should know that I'm dad. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay if you mess up. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, even... If you're a parent of just any kid anywhere, you're constantly learning about that child and constantly learning what makes them tick and what they don't like. And that changes over time too. So you have to be constantly learning. So it's definitely an okay process. I've had a student who I accidentally said something about his favorite thing and it was not time for that. And it went into full-on meltdown mm-hmm. like, oh, and noted we'll do that again yeah <laughs> it's like okay we cannot talk about yeah. this right now yeah. then yeah we're all learning all the time yeah so that's great advice um and then the same question just for another um special education teacher or deaf education teacher for you for me i would say build a relationship okay. focus on the relationship with your kids your mm-hmm. students and their families okay because if it doesn't matter what disability a child has, whether it's autism, intellectual disability, deafness, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They know if you care for them or not. Mm-hmm. They know yeah. they can be um, nonverbal, mm-hmm. and they can know if you care for them or not, mm-hmm. and if you truly care about what happens. Yeah. And that's what I'll tell a teaching assistant, you know, at the beginning of the school year, don't worry about pushing. Yes, we want them to learn the language, things like that, but just play with them. Mm-hmm. See what they like. You know? yeah. It's all about pairing. You Ex- want to be a fun person in their life. Exactly. Yeah. You know, see what they like. See what, you know, oh, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. 
you are the teacher, but we also need to let them know that they're safe, mm -hmm. especially when you're working with such young kids. I mean, yeah. it goes for all ages, mm -hmm. but, yeah. you know, Definitely. these kids have never probably, some kids have never been away from home mm -hmm. without mom That's or dad. Scary. yeah. And suddenly yeah. they're thrown in here with these strange people mm -hmm. who are saying, okay, be here, now be here. <laughs> now do this, do that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for oh, being willing you. to come on the Autism Hour podcast. We really enjoyed having you. And um, this episode, like I said, won't be released until the fall. So listeners, be on the lookout in the fall when we start releasing new episodes. But thank you so much. I really oh, appreciate it. Thank your you time. for having me. I've loved this. Yes, absolutely. Thank and you. we'll attach any of the notes or acronyms or resources that you mentioned in the show notes. So oh, perfect. People can find it there. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.